Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode of our Truth Tidbits as we continue to see where the Lord may lead us in His Word each and every day. And today I'm in, I'm going to read from 1 John chapter 3 because I want you to see something that has been just on my heart ever since I woke up this morning. I've been kind of um, singing, and I'm not going to sing for you. I don't sing. I'm not a singer. I just make a joyful noise to the Lord. But um, but there was a chorus that was taken from First John chapter 3 years ago. I don't remember if it was Maranatha music or Integrity um, or one of those perhaps but it was just a chorus of scripture, and it was drawn from, from this passage that I'm going to read today from the first verse. And, um, and so I want to talk about that because that's been on my heart, and the Lord's just been kind of helping me to think upon that and contemplate that. And it is mind-blowing what God has done for us. So let's talk about this mind-blowing news that John records for us and that John tells us about in the book of First John chapter 3, he says this in verse 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. In other words, the totality of everything that God has in store for us and who we're really going to be in eternity. We haven't even seen the, the half of it yet is what he's saying here. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he truly is, as he is. And Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. I want to talk about this today a little bit, and I want us to really focus on verse 1 and verse 3 here. First of all, let's consider this. John uses this word, behold, and it means more than just see this. I think that in this Greek, in the Greek language, and I believe Rick Renner brings this out also, that this word used here for behold is more of a, this is such fabulous news, it's literally mind-blowing. It's incredible. You need to see this. You need to look at this. You need to be aware of this good news. Turn your eyes and your attention to this. I got news for you that will blow your mind. It's incredible. It's awesome. And so he goes on and he says, what is that? That he has now used this awesome Greek word to draw our attention to and to help us recognize this is something you really want to know and really want to pay attention to. And so he goes on and he says, what manner of love? You know, I looked up some of that. I want to share with you a couple of these word studies just for a moment to help us identify and understand the power of what John is saying here. 
He says what manner, what kind or what sort. It also includes what quality. Oh, he's like, behold, he's like, this is going to blow your mind. The quality of love, the degree of love, the costliness of this love. You know, it made me think about quality in terms of, let's just take an example of something we might buy. Maybe it's a, a car, or maybe it's it's a, a suit of clothing, or an outfit, a dress, or whatever it may be. Maybe it's a new computer, or a new television, or a new refrigerator, or whatever it is. One of the main things you want to look at is what is the quality in it. Is it reliable? Is it going to last? Is in the effort of, you know, clothing or cars, it might be, you know, how, how does it look? How does it work? Um, in clothing, it might be, you know, is it going to last a while or am I going to be buying these shoes or this dress, you know, replacing it because it rips and all of that kind of stuff? What quality is it made of? What quality? You look at and you consider that when you're buying things and when you're making those decisions. And so John is stressing here the quality of the love that God has bestowed on us. It's mind-blowing to him. He is like, you need to understand the quality of the love. What is that quality? I believe it's, it can be summed up with maybe a few of these descriptions. The Lord may reveal more to you, but these are the ones, the ones that I jotted down. It's the finest quality. I mean, you can't get anything finer than this. It is the most exquisite, elaborate, finest quality you could ever find anywhere. You know, we have lots of people in our lives and they will tell us they love us. And in sincerity, many of them really do. They're not just saying it. They truly do. But they can only do that to the degree that a human being can express and really feel love and have that love within them. But God is love. In other words, every fiber of his being is love. He can't be anything else. He is the source of the finest of loves. And he will never leave you. He will never abandon you. He will never change his mind. He will never, ever, ever stop loving you and me. It's the finest quality. It's costly this love, this quality of love is not cheap. It's free to us. We're going to see that in a minute. It's a free gift to us, but it was not cheap. It came at the greatest cost to the Father that he could ever have given. John 3.16 tells us that. For God so loved the world that he gave Gave a gift. Gave the gift. The most precious thing to him. His own son. He gave his only begotten son. So that everyone who would believe upon him. In sincere and saving faith. Would be saved and not perish. 
but have everlasting life. It was very costly to the Father to bestow upon us this quality of love. The quality of this love is not cheap. It was very costly to him. It's very valuable and it's very precious. The most precious thing ever and the most precious that will ever touch your life is the mind-blowing love that the Father God has for you and for me. And then he says, what manner or what quality of love the Father has bestowed. Do you know what that means? Gift. What he's gifted to us. It's a simple gift. He just has freely given it. You know, sometimes with your spouse or with one of your children or something like that, or maybe one of your children will bring it to you. Sometimes it's not your birthday. It's not Christmas. It's not your anniversary. It's a just because gift. When somebody, just because they're thinking of you, just because their emotions and their passions are for you, just because they love you and they appreciate and they care for you. They might stop by the store on the way home from work or whatever and bring to you a free gift that is not tied to anything you've done, not tied to any special occasion. It's a just because gift. You know what? This, what God has done, we needed it desperately. Without him, we were doomed. We were on death row, awaiting the wages of sin, the second death, doomed apart from him. So we needed it. We didn't deserve it, though. It's his free gift, just because. Just because he loves us that much. Just because he cares that much. Just because he wants us that much. This is why John starts this with, Behold, this is mind-blowing. You have got to turn your attention to this because it's incredible what God, the quality of love that God has given as a free gift of his own accord. He willed it. He decided to do it. We had nothing to do with it. He had it in his mind and in his heart the whole time. And then I want to read in verse in chapter uh, 10 of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 5 through 10 also tells us a little bit more about this incredible love and will and choice of God to do this for us. In Hebrews 10 chapter uh, chapter 10 verse 5. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, and he's quoting here from Psalm chapter 40, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. So that he could be like us is what he's saying there, a human body. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. What book? the Old Testament scriptures. It is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire nor had pleasure in them, 
which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all. What he's saying here is in the Old Testament, they had to come, you know, all the time and offer various sacrifices and various offerings. And once a year, the high priest had to go in on the Day of Atonement and offer the the um, atoning sacrifice for another year to cover them, etc. And it was a continual thing and it needed to keep going. And so what he's saying here is I've come and I take away that. The, the necessity of having to continue that because I'm the better sacrifice. I have come to do the will of the Lord. What is the will of the Lord in this matter? Well, we find that in the book of Isaiah. He had mentioned in this passage, the psalmist in Psalm 40 prophetically speaks about Jesus, prophetically speaks about the Messiah coming to do the will of the Lord in that time, in the time that he would come and fulfill this word. And so what is the will of the Lord that he's fulfilling? Well, he says in the volume of the book, in the scroll of the book, meaning in the Old Testament scriptures, it's there. Where is it there? Well, it's all through the Old Testament, either uh, in direct form through a prophetic word or whatever, or in a type or shadow. And the book of Hebrews tells us all about that. So I encourage you to read the book of Hebrews. And I, I am going to be doing a study on the book of Hebrews soon. And so we will have that up on our channels as soon as possible and available for you as soon as we can get that worked out. But I encourage you, read the book of Hebrews because that connects the Old Testament to what Jesus has done and fulfilled in the New. But in the volume of the book, a couple of places that came to my mind that are very blatantly, directly prophetic and speak of exactly what Jesus fulfilled, and that is Psalm chapter 22 and Isaiah 53. And Isaiah 53 is one of the most direct and one of the least understood, at least by the Jewish people. And and they don't understand that this is about Messiah. He was coming the first time to pay the sin of the world, to pay the sin debt once for all for everyone so that we didn't have to continue to live under it. And if you read Isaiah 53 and connect it to what Christ went through in the cross, you will see the beautiful connections. But I want to read in verse 10 through 12 of Isaiah chapter 53. Because here it makes very clear what the will of the Lord was that God sent his son to do and that the son willingly came and said, I have come to do thy will. He made that declaration. So in verse 10 of Isaiah 53, it says this, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul unto death 
and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Oh, beloved, this is talking about the will of God that Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, came and fulfilled on the cross at Golgotha, just like the New Testament tells us about. It was the will of the Lord to bruise him and put him to grief, not because God was trying to harm his son. No, not at all. This was this is part of why it's such of good quality, because it was so costly to God the Father to do this. And it was costly to the son who willingly laid down on that altar called the cross or the execution stake. But he did it because of verses 10 through 12. Because he wanted, he has made him an offering for sin once for all so that he would see his seed. Oh, the children that would be birthed from that in eternal life, given eternal life. Hallelujah. That's the pleasure of the Lord. He will see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. It says here in verse 11, he will see the result of what he's going through. And he will say, it's enough. It's enough. I believe that on the way to the cross, when Jesus was lugging that heavy beam that he kept falling under the weight of, it was the weight of sin as well as the weight of the beam with his, with his weakened body because he had been so bruised. But it was the weight of, of the sin of the entire world also upon him. And yet... I believe when he was carrying that cross and as he hung on that cross, in some way, in his mind, he could see all of the saints of old and he could see all of the the living saints that were around him and, and all of the people that would be saved through Mary and Mary Magdalene and John and Peter and Paul and all of the others that would come shortly thereafter and be born again. And then he looked maybe even 2,000 years down the road and saw your face and my face on that road while he hung there on the tree or on the road to the tree, to the execution site. And he saw us. He saw his seed and his soul said, it's enough. It's enough. It's enough. They are worth it to me. They are worth it to me. Both the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in conjunction in that beautiful triune Godhead made you and me in our mind. They made that determination that we were worth it. It was worth this cost for him to have us, which is exactly what John says here. He said that we, what was the purpose of all of this, this great costly love? It was that we should be called children of God. Those who will believe upon Jesus, the son of the living God, are now able to be called part of his family. He wanted us to be in his family. In the book of Hebrews, it also talks about him and that he came to bring many sons to glory, it says. He came to save us. 
and did not only just rescue us and then just leave us aloof. Oh, no. He came to have a relationship with us. He came to make us his children, that we now have the honor of being known by God's very name, by the Lord Jesus Christ's very name. What an honor and a privilege. And John goes on and he talks about when Jesus is coming back. And Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back very soon for his people. And to accomplish all that he has said in his word will be fulfilled. And to rule and reign here on this earth and then to carry us into eternity with him. Jesus is coming back. So John alludes to that and he calls it this hope. He says, this is our hope, our expectation of certain good, not maybe it might happen, it might not. No, it's an expectation of certain good. And he says this, everyone, verse three, and everyone, that means you, that means me, who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. In other words, we want to honor that beautiful, noble name by which we are called. We want to be God's kids and be representative of who he truly is. We want to be reunited with him soon. And when we are, we want to be able to stand before him whole and unashamed. Therefore, he says, Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. In other words, we wash ourselves. We keep ourselves clean from the sin and stain of the world. We do that, you know, in daily life. You take baths, you take showers. Why? Because you've got to get clean every day. You know, you need to be clean on a regular basis. Because you just get oily, you get dirty, you pick up soil. You know, some people get dirtier than others depending on their work, you know, they do and different things. But everybody has to get clean. We have to renew our bodies with, with uh, that cleansing on a regular basis. And that's what he's talking about here. Spiritually speaking, we wash ourselves, we examine ourselves, and we say, Lord, Forgive me for any sin in my life. And when the Holy Spirit convicts us because of a wrong thought or a wrong deed or a wrong attitude or whatever, you know, maybe we get mad when we're driving down the road at the, you know, traffic or the so-and-so, you know, might be an idiot, you think, that has done something wrong or they pull out in front of you or whatever. Whatever it is, we lose our temper. You know, we get upset. We get proud. We get vain. Whatever it may be. And the Holy Spirit convicts us, and we repent. Why? Because we've got this hope. We're called by the name of the Lord. We are children of God because of His great gift, freely given of love for us to make us a part of His family. And because we wear His name, we want to remain pure so that when He comes, we'll have no shame at His coming. Oh, what mind-blowing news this is for us. The great love that God the Father has for us. It cost him everything. So it's not cheap. It's very valuable. And it's the finest quality ever. Oh, I pray this blesses you. 
and that you know him and are one of his children as well. If you're not, please come to him now. Please repent of your sin. Call upon him and ask him for forgiveness. Ask him to come into your life, to wash you clean of all of your sins. You know, it says here that we purify ourselves. He's talking about coming to the Lord for our cleansing. We can't cleanse ourselves. None of us can ever do that. But we come to him and ask his forgiveness, and he washes us. He washes us clean. We just have to remember to to come to the Lord when we are convicted of our sins and when we do wrong. And he washes us. We see to that. We get under the shower of his love and his word and let it wash all those stains away just like we take a shower daily or a bath or whatever to wash the dirt off we let the shower wash it off of us hallelujah and in his word he'll do the same thing for us on a regular basis come to him and discover the finest of all loves that you have ever known and may he Make you his child as well and encourage you as his son or his daughter. I pray this is a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Truth Tidbits. God bless you today in Jesus' name.